New on Curiosity Stream. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Kim Kardashian. Tycoons are in many ways the lifeblood of society. They are willing to put everything out there. They're willing to lose everything. See how the super elite use their money and power to shape our lives on Tycoons. Plus, from Japan's unbreakable super code to the algorithm mining your Bitcoin, we're breaking down the world's most famous encryptions on cracking the code. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. On that note, yep. why isn't it the Canadian real estate show? Ah, oh, this right has come now, up a few times. Can, like, Canada needs more voices of reason. And what I like about you guys, and I, I don't do a ton of these shows because every once in a while, like you get somebody who's got um, some sort of motivation and they're, they're motivated to sell houses in their market and they're pumping their market. And you guys are just like straight up honest about the market and the whole country needs more of what you guys are talking about. But, you know, you guys with, with the amount of knowledge you have and the, um, and the honesty and int- integrity that you guys have, you could do this show across Canada. The country needs more guys like you talking about what's going on across the country, not just in, in your market. Are you South saying African, like an Australian? Indian person speaking English or are you like you know a what? Russian no, forget person? About it. You've just complicated <laughs> the crap out of this question and I'm yeah. no longer interested in the answer. Yeah, I wasn't so interested in the question. Me neither. That's okay. No, it wasn't very interesting. Why are you all dressed up? You got showings today? I got showings after this. Yeah. Are you going to be a realtor today? I'm going to be a realtor for a change on a Sunday. Yeah. I literally work every single day. There is Awkward. no days I don't work. Oh, there's no days. So that's what you do. There is no like... You know, especially as a realtor, it's like retail on steroids, I guess, in a good market. Even even like it's just like I'm like 14 years going straight working every single day. You know, I mean, it's not the same kind of work as most people do, like nine to five sitting in an office, checking in and sitting at the same chair. I'm just sometimes Sometimes work is golf, right? Sometimes work is golf. Sometimes work is golf. Sometimes work is lunch. A lot of times work is breakfast. Frank always says something that's so funny because this is so true. So the real estate agents got an appointment at seven o'clock at night. Did I tell you this already? No. I think so, so maybe. All day, all day long, he's thinking, man, I got that appointment at seven o'clock. What are the people going to say? What are they going to do? Are they going to buy? Are they going to sell? You know, is it still going to be available? Uh, you know, what am I going to wear? What time do I need to leave? Oh man, that appointment at seven o'clock, you know? And all day goes by and finally the seven o'clock appointment comes, right? It takes 15 minutes. They go in, they go out, they exit. They go home and they're like, oh, honey, I had such a busy day today. <laughs> you know, It was just intense. You know, it I had this crazy. appointment at seven o'clock and wow, it was just wow. All day long, I was thinking about that thing. Yeah, right. I think so I'm going to get feel it. they're busy when they're really not that busy. I think I'm going to get it. I think I'm going to get it. This one yeah, looks yeah, good. Yeah. This one looks yeah. good. That's the secret. It's true, though. But I mean, live in the moment. Stay but present. You got, you're on call 24 seven and you're ready to work 24 seven. And you're probably thinking about work. Definitely. 24 seven. But I challenge you to call me at three o'clock in the morning to see if how call, how on call I really am. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, cha- I challenge you because it's not that on call. <laughs> no, I don't. I, listen, you're not performing surgery here. Yeah. <laughs> what happens you at know? three in the morning? 
yes, there's Siri. something on my voicemail that says that I'll get back to them like when like in the morning when I'm awake. I'll tell you, when I was a general contractor and we were busy, man, we had a lot of projects. Often yeah. people were sending messages and emails and calls at three in the morning. Really? Yeah, because people are sitting there freaking about about money and like all the problems in their house <laughs> and like what their wife wants or what the their toilet's not flushing. They're like, this, Daryl, uh, this is unacceptable. No, it's just one thing after the other. Like while they're in construction, it's a bloody yeah. disaster. Yeah. But anyways, here we are once again on a Sunday. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show. Mr. TK, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. I don't think we have anybody in different time zones listening to us, Daryl. You would be so surprised at where people are actually listening to this thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We've got people in Nigeria, at least okay. running through VPNs through Nigeria. Through Nigeria, posting in the comments. I love it. Um, and you're right, you never know Nigeria. when somebody's listening. So, you know, or happy, why? happy whatever time it is where you are right now, Day. That's right. Absolutely. Welcome to the show. Do us a favor. Hit that button, that like button, that subscribe button, and give us a comment. Preferably, you know, not telling me I'm Satan reincarnate. That is preferable. TK doesn't like I being don't called mind a racist. It when they say those things, just for the record. Right. Not, if I, if it's, it's me. Like, it doesn't ruin my day or anything. That's all I'll say. No. Yeah. No. But Some Daryl them, is not Satan. And I'm, a little, so, I'm a little sensitive when called yeah. Satan. Yeah. He's not Satan. I've checked. I asked. I asked around. <laughs> I, I have another one fooled. Hey, we have a great guest lined up for today. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm born ready. I think he's ready. Here we go. We're going to let him in. Oh, hang on a sec. Trick. I'm not sure about scheduling again. Did we do this right? There we go. Hello. Can you hear us? I got great background, though. Yes. There we go. This is a professional looking gentleman. That is for damn sure. <laughs> I got a fresh haircut just for you guys. That's amazing. It looks I, great. Uh, Oh, I'm so glad that you did that. Okay. So first of all, welcome to the show. Nolan Matthias yeah, from Mortgage 360, right? Yeah, absolutely. You um, guys are jumping right into it. You don't mess around, hey? We don't mess around. No TK way. is a realtor, man. This guy's on a tight schedule. He's got houses to show and contracts to write and lunches to get to. I got to get some fridge magnets uh, printed today. You know, I got lots of stuff on the go, right? <laughs> got to get those fridge magnets going. Oh. Absolutely. Well, well, welcome welcome to the show. We, we appreciate you. I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, you are a professional YouTuber uh, out of the quality of guests that we get. You are the, we are the antithesis of professional YouTubers, but you are the professional YouTuber. And uh, we've seen a lot of your content over the last Very polished. couple of years, I guess, since we've started our podcast. So we're happy to have you on today. And uh, big fan, big fan. I know some of big our fan. listeners and, uh, you know, viewers uh, also uh, subscribe to you. And I'm they sure they're going to appreciate the show today for sure. Oh, yeah, we I are having me. excited to have you. And, you know, a little perspective from Calgary, which we haven't had on the show as of yet. Have we? I don't think I we have. Yeah. yeah I can't remember. Anyway, we like Calgary. My sister lives in Calgary. Calgary is a good place. Does she? I didn't know that. Yeah. My oldest one. Yeah, we're, we're happy. We're happy with Calgary. What's going on in Calgary? They're happy it's right now. Those oil prices are woo. 
They're loving it. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It's in the market's crazy. Oil prices contribute to it. Ontario buyers contribute to it. You guys need to stay home. <laughs> We're staying home. We're sending our money over there. Yeah, <laughs> foolishly too, overpaying foolishly, for everything. Foolishly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to jump right into the, all the economic stuff, but man, you know, there's there's talks about markets that are booms, booming markets, bubbles, all that stuff. You know, Toronto, Vancouver, there's an argument that there's some sort of bubble, bubble some at some point brewing. But what people don't realize is Calgary's never going to have a bubble. It's a cyclical market. It is guaranteed up and down and it moves with oil prices. So the big fear for I have for people who are coming out here spending their money is they don't realize it's a cyclical market. And when this oil thing turns, as it always does, you know, it's, it's going to be a little different than just kind of riding through a dip in Ontario or BC. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be, there's going to be some value decrease there. And I don't think people who are buying from outside the market are going to necessarily expect that. What, yeah. what kind of, what kind of vacancy rate kind of uh, projection do you do if you are investing over there? Like when things are bad, how empty are things? Well, I mean, it depends, right? Like if you're talking commercial, it's really empty right now uh, and yeah. has been since 2014. If you're talking residential, it's never gotten really bad. But, you know, for us, 8% vacancy is awful. Typically, it runs around 4% in the next year or two. That's where it'll probably be. And it'll be a really good market for a couple of years. But then oil is going to go down at some point, guaranteed. What we're seeing over here, Nolan, is we're getting Ontario realtors packaging Calgary projects and selling mm -hmm. them to Ontario buyers because it yep. looks awesome, right? The 300000 starting price or the, you know, whatever the feature is that we take, you know, very seriously here in Ontario. And we think, oh, wow, that's so amazing. And they're, and I have no idea where these places are in Alberta. And I know that 99% of the buyers don't know either. All they hear is, you know, 30 minutes to Calgary or whatever. It could be like the worst town that's never had a successful development ever, but that's what they're buying. Right. Well, and I hope your those realtors are all watching your show and they all do watch your show because they're about to get themselves in trouble. Uh, the real estate council of Alberta just put out a bulletin talking about specifically that if you're in Ontario <laughs> or an outside of the Al Alberta realtor and you're not licensed in Alberta and you're marketing Alberta product, they'd literally put out a bulletin talking about just this, really? that you aren't you're you're operating with a license in Alberta and they're and they're watching those guys so just word of warning to those realtors that are out there in Ontario doing that I don't care whether you do it one way or the other but just so you know the our regulators watching you so you need a partner out in Calgary basically yeah and it's not just needing a partner it's the activities right so it's the things that you do um, so if you're out if you're marketing that property even though you may have a partner in Calgary you're probably pushing the lines and the boundaries no of what you can yeah. do with the license, right? Okay. No go. You're, like you're soliciting. It's like selling job. securities or anything else like that. You know, there's, yep. you can't be out there promoting it, saying that you're doing something and taking people's yep. money. Right? Exactly. I mean, and we took it seriously when my YouTube channel blew, blew up a year ago, I got licensed in Ontario. I got licensed in BC. I got licensed in Saskatchewan because we had to, and we just don't operate in provinces that aren't those provinces. Right. You know, and, I can't dictate where YouTube pushes my videos. So people in Quebec see it and New Brunswick and everything else, but 
you know, you just don't operate in those provinces because as things get busier, those regulators get more excited and, you know, bad things happen. <laughs> yeah, the other issue too is think about it because you can operate, you can get a mortgage for someone in any province because it's federally regulated, the, the mortgage industry. Is that, is that right? Mm. No. So banking is federally regulated. Okay. The practice of mortgage brokering is provincially regulated. Okay. So in the past, it was always like, okay, well, if I send it to Scotiabank, that's a federally regulated bank. So they're doing all the due diligence and they're covering me. And in the last couple of years, they've made it really clear or the regulators have made it really clear. In fact, there's this, this organization of the regulators. It's the Mortgage Broker Regulator Council of Canada. And they have a website and you go in there and you say, where's the property? Where's the buyer? Where are you? And it tells you what license you need. And pretty much the gist of it is, is if the property is in another province, you need a license in that province. And if the buyer and the, or, or if the, um, or if the borrower are from another province and the properties in your prop province, then you're probably covered. So, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. Cause yeah, the same, the same thing applies here, right? You got a, uh, Ontario mortgage broker trying to help his Ontario buyers buy a property in Calgary, doesn't know how to do a deal, doesn't know what to expect, doesn't have the connections. Lots yeah. of litigation can come from that. And a little bit different from the mortgage broker side because they can get an Alberta mortgage broker to do all the compliance documents and they're probably okay because they weren't really marketing in Alberta. Uh, but the problem for the realtors is they're marketing Alberta property, Alberta product or Saskatchewan product or Manitoba product. And that's where they're, they're stepping on those, on those boundaries and they're going to get themselves in trouble. And I don't say that because I don't want them doing it. I just don't want a whole bunch of Ontario realtors getting upset or getting fined because they did something that they didn't realize they couldn't do. Right. Well, Regulators so are really bad at communication. Speaking about boundaries and, and, and property lines, what, I think we would be uh, remiss not to discuss the effects of what is going on out in the uh, eastern part of the world right now and its yeah. effects on, on Canada real estate. Um, so, I mean, Russia's a major player. They're being sanctioned. They just got booted off the SWIFT payment system like Ukraine is actually a big exporter of a lot of things too. This this is going to have some pretty interesting implications. I see some people talking about it. I don't want to skirt around it. I don't want to be the Toronto real estate show and just focus on like real estate today. I, I think this is major what's going on right now. And, and especially when you talk about Calgary with booms and busts, like there's going to be a major impact to Alberta from this. Right. Major. And I think po possibly a positive one, because there's going to be a shortfall of oil and energy production, which, you know, I'm pretty sure Alberta has a decent amount of. Right. They, they're, they're like a huge exporter of wheat, both those countries. And I'm pretty sure I know a country that has a ton of wheat and, and all kinds of other, you know, products that, that Canada actually produces that are going to be in high demand and short supply for a while. But uh, like, let's talk about this thing. What, what do you think is going to happen here? Near term, medium term, interest rate wise next week? Yeah. So I think you've got two things, right? I mean, well, there's a lot to unpack there. And there's a lot. A lot sorry. We can go to <laughs> 
Um, you know, I think first and foremost, you have to, you have to respect the fact that some really bad things are happening. And, you know, I think as an Albertan, one of the things that makes me the saddest is when you see Albertans jump on this and go, well, this is good for Alberta because oil prices are going to go up and yeah, they're going to go up. But unfortunately our oil's completely landlocked. Uh, you know, it means higher prices. It means higher prices for us at the pump. It means higher prices for uh, our American counterparts. And we do get a lot of oil into the U S and a lot of energy into the U S but for the most part, you know, the amount that we can export is the amount that we can export. So yeah, we're going to get a little bit of a bump from price and that's going to add to some growth in the economy and so on and so forth. But with respect to oil itself, actually getting that to markets and exporting it is virtually impossible. I mean, there's a reason why most of Eastern Canada is powered by foreign oil products, right? It doesn't come from Canada. They bring it in. Actually, I don't, I've seen a bunch of stats on Facebook and everything else. And I'm, and I don't know whether I'm paying attention to them or not, because I'm not sure if they're reliable sources, but it sounds like a pretty significant amount of oil from comes from Russia and comes from Saudi Arabia into, uh, into those Eastern ports. So, you know, we're going to have a little bit of bump. Um, there's only so much that we can produce right now. And we're probably at the capacity of that. Um, so, now wheat, grain, those things, those can all easily get exported. So that's totally fine. That'll help um, our economy a little bit. But, you know, the world is such a crazy place right now. And who knows what's going to happen with respect to how that plays out for our economy overall. And I don't think we want to be relying on the fact that our exports just got more attractive in any of our buying decisions that are, or any of our mortgage decisions or anything else like that, because there's so much that could happen at the drop of a hat that uh, would change our economy pretty fast. I mean, we talk about this on my channel all the time. It's like, what's the thing you weren't expecting? And lo and behold, we've been saying that for a year and it's like, interest rates may not go up as fast as we expect because some surprise will happen. That's the one constant in, in economics is surprises happen. And then lo and behold, here's Russia invading the Ukraine. So um, from a, the biggest impact that it'll likely have is on a growth perspective in our economy. If the growth in our economy continues to be strong, then we see further higher interest rates. Um, but I've also been reading some articles, um, Benjamin Tell, CIBC economist, really well-known guy, um, really phenomenal economist. He's talking about the fact that we've got massive amounts of interest rate sensitivity and increases to interest rates could have a bigger impact than what we're expecting. And therefore, it's going to take longer to increase interest rates, which would be in line with what I've been saying in the research I've done um, going back to the 1920s through to the 19 let's call it 80s as far as, uh, well, let's call it 1940s to 50s when interest rates were really low the last time they were really low in Canada. And then look at what happened in Japan when interest rates got really low. You get into what's called a liquidity trap where changes to interest rates don't have a big impact and you basically lose your ability to increase them or have major effects on the economy via the money supply. So, you know, it's all like massive boring stuff, but the, the summary of all that is, we don't know what we don't know. And right now, you know, a 1% increase over the next year is our best guess. Yeah. And the devastation, I guess that's having happening in Ukraine, right. Is, you know, something to also look at too. So whether there is some prosperity in one part of the world or not, you know, you've got devastation going on 
on the other side of the ocean. And, uh, you know, everyone's got to look at that. Every war has caused massive inflation. Like that's just the way it works. You know, supply crunches come, value of the dollar goes down and, and prices continue to rise. We were already in, you know, the highest inflation in 30 years and now a war is coming, right? Like it's just, it's such a perfect storm of, a mess that, that, you know, is, is anybody's guess, right? Like when was the last time everybody could predict a housing bubble on top of a uh, global pandemic on top of a world war? What's like, what, what's that formula? Equal? Where's the textbook a, on that one? With a stock market crash. Yeah. Where's the textbook on that one? Right. And there, there was no crypto market last time either that had exactly. you know, trillions of dollars in it. Yeah. I this mean, is, like I said, surprises, right? It's, yeah. Economics is all about trying to make your best predictions based on the information you have right now and then going back and uh, analyzing why you're wrong. So, so in this environment, what do you think is going to happen next week with interest rates? Uh, I, think, I think the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve both have to stay the course. Uh, I think they're going to increase by at least 25 basis points. And by stay the course, I mean they have to do what they say they were going to do. I think it probably took the prospects of a half a percent increase off the table. Um, but, you know, I think, I think we're going to see that interest rate increase regardless. What's happening in the Ukraine right now, while it's a major world event, at this point doesn't have a major impact on, the, on the, our economy. Now, what that looks like three, six months down the road, let's hope we don't end up in a world war. Uh, but for right now, it's I, I think they somewhat need to stay the course. There's some jobs data that looked a little weak that could have an effect on that. But the big balancing act, right, is there, the balancing act is between inflation and growth. It's like normally when you have massive amounts of inflation, you have excessive growth. Where we're just trying to get to is normal growth in the economy right now. And then we're going to start increasing interest rates to deal with the inflation problem. But if we start increasing interest rates and we and we have an effect on the growth, well, the Bank of Canada very much could be in a catch-22 where, you know, they're, they're basically killing growth in order to deal with inflation. Stay off inflation. It just kind of screws things up, right? I, I don't wow, envy what that a position. mess. Yeah, what <laughs> I don't, a I don't, mess, eh? I, I'm glad I'm not, uh, you know, working for the Bank of Canada, making any of those decisions. Not that they would ask me to anyways. But when the only imagine, good no? answer is to, like, just stand back and watch it burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, what else can you do right now? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, did, I wouldn't want to be Tiff Macklem. Like, I had to take a break from doing these YouTube videos every single day because we're looking at bad negative news all the time. And it's like, wow, like I don't want to ever talk about my mental health. Cause that's never something that I ever wanted to address in myself, but I'm like, wow, all this stuff happening. I don't even want to do videos on it. And then you've got guys like Tiff Macklem who are having to deal with this every day and, and make massive decisions that have major repercussions for people. You know, it's not a position I'd want to be in. The psychology right now. So for me, you know, I'm not an economics expert, right? And I, I'm not here to predict. I don't have a crystal ball, but I deal with people. And so I understand people and I have to, you know, read what people are telling me and I have to be able to, you know, console them or advise them in the right way. And people are scared right now, right? People are scared right now of yeah. this turmoil in Europe. It's, 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 I had someone sell last week because of it. I've had nonstop appointments this week and people are talking about it. So whether there is an economic 
impact or not, like on the, on the spreadsheets, it's going to have an impact on the markets just because of uh, the fear that people have of what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and the sad thing about that is people make really bad decisions when, when they're looking at the news and, you know, selling when they shouldn't be selling and buying when they shouldn't be buying. And the best thing I think average consumer can do is turn the freaking news off mm-hmm. and do exactly what you need to do for yourself at that point in time, take all the external factors out of it and just do what's right for you. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of noise. I don't even know how anybody knows what to trust and what to listen to. Like there's eight different opinions for everything at the touch of a finger. Like yeah. it's crazy. I don't know how anybody social media, like think about the, like the difference between like market predictions today compared to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Right. No, but just like, movements and swings, like, you know, yeah. everything instantly. So everything just swings this way. Right. Yeah. We're on Twitter and, and agents are like, there was three less showings on average in the Brampton area. Things are cooling down, right? And then you have people going, but hold on a sec. Up here in Aurora, it's like there's 80,000 showings and 8 million offers on this thing. And it just went a million dollars over asking. This thing's heating up. Yeah. I just, I totally remember this line from John Stewart that stands out in my mind. It's like, just because it's hot today where you live doesn't mean global warming doesn't exist, right? It also doesn't mean that it does, but you know, what's happening to you right now doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going on in the broader economy. And I think that's where, you know, real estate agents, mortgage brokers, that's where we make a lot of our mistakes. It's like, well, I didn't get an application today. So the market's slowing down. And it's like, well, is it actually, or did you just do a crappy job of promoting yourself for the last month? Yeah. Or was there something wrong with the mail? Well, the news, the news this week is mortgage, mortgage applications are down, right? Like they're saying, oh, there's, there's less mortgage applications. Well, yeah, there's been no inventory sales are down seasonally. Like it's low. Like there's just less people doing stuff because of the the market conditions. I'm sure there'd be lots of mortgage applications if there were houses for people to buy. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the, the contrast to that is, you know, and this is, again, this is just my world. It's, it's my weather on my day, but, you know, talking to my staff right now, Everybody who applied in July, August, September of last year who didn't end up buying all of a sudden has contracts this week. So it's like applications may be down, but does that necessarily mean that buying activity is down? And, you know, my little piece of data would say that, yeah, mortgage applications are down because all the people that were destined to buy at this point in time applied way back in August and July, right? Right. Yeah. Like how were those months in comparison to normal? Like those were probably crazy. Yeah, totally. It's also disheartening right now when people think about pricing, right? Like you don't really want to go and do a mortgage application when you know that you can't afford the house that you want. It's not very motivating to to go out there and look for a mortgage. I don't know if I'd want to hear what I, what I, what I could get right now. Yeah. 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 I mean, tell me about that in your guys' market in Ontario. What, like I get the comments on the YouTube channel and they go, Hey, like we can't even afford to buy a home, but you know, most people, most first time home buyers don't buy the average home in a market. They start lower. Right. It's like, I don't buy the average Porsche when I go to buy my first car. What's going on with the first time home buyers out there? Is there still product on the entry level? Like the, one bedroom condos, the townhouses that they can buy and that they can afford or. Yeah. They're starting to really, they don't want that though. That's that's really starting to love the idea of, 
you know, sleeping on a pad on top of the kitchen table because there's no room for a bed. <laughs> it's like 280 <laughs> square feet for a studio here now. There's wow. a few of those. There's a few of those. There's not many. There was a t- there was a period of time a few years back where you- we thought we needed these micro units, so the developers were building them. But those are all off the table from what I know in the in the pre-construction world. Not downtown Toronto, man. They're, yeah, that's they're how you put those in the plans. For sure, you have to. That's how you get your investors and get people to pay twenty two hundred bucks a foot because it's two hundred and eighty square feet. Yeah, that's crazy. It, it's it's insane. But I mean. In Toronto, if you wanna if you wanna buy a, a townhouse or a semi or an entry level bungalow, you're over a million bucks, right? Or or you're in a destitute piece of garbage that needs so much work, it should probably be condemned. It it like the prices are so the average is a million bucks, right? So it, so well, for a te- for. Yeah, like overall. So your average uh, single family house is like one seven, one six, one eight right now. That's bananas. Meanwhile, so if you weren't in the market, you are effectively priced up. I don't know how like, people are doing parents, it. There's parents, the people who are getting in are, they've got parents helping them. There's also this huge, I've been dealing with so many people who have incredible wealth, regular average Joes, blue collar jobs, work there 40 hours a week, making their however much money a year, but they bought a property here. Then they bought another one, then a cottage. And then they said, well, I'll buy this condo. And over the last 10, 20 years, however long it's been, they've accumulated millions of dollars in real estate. And now they're ready to retire. This is a huge segment of the population. It's, it's incredible. Just how many I've been exposed to over the last little while, just because they're, they're all thinking now that, well, the market's this. So let's, let's start talking to realtors. There's right? a lot of Lambos. Kids. A lot got, of Lambos they, around here. No, they got kids. They're they're already making their plan. How do I help my kids who are in their twenties get the property that they want? Yeah, you have to. I mean, they're they're refinancing or selling their houses in order to you know help the kids out and maybe downsize or right size a little. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know how your average typical person can afford anything but rent or moving to Bancroft. Which Bancroft, which is a couple hours outside of Toronto. It's like a cottage country. uh, But the the reason I say Bancroft is because it went up 95% this year on average in Bancroft. Yeah. 95. And that's not, maybe it's 94. Maybe it's like the smallest cottage country town like ever. It's not, it's not a, it's not a place to go and work. Like there's no jobs there in the winter. Everything just sort of shuts down. Now, is it is it as common in Alberta? Because I imagine that you still got a huge business in Alberta. I know you're doing other provinces, but I imagine the bulk of it's in Alberta, correct? I bet that <laughs> swung lately. Yeah, it's YouTube. YouTube swung that. Okay. Yeah. Either, either way, in Alberta, is it as common that the mom and dad, like biggest private lender in Canada, bank of mom and dad, right? Is that still as common, or is it not as necessary oh, yeah. in Alberta? Yeah. No, it's totally been that way, right? And and that's common. It has been for a long time. I think the the only thing that's making it more apparent is the sheer amount of equity that's available in markets like yours, and and you know that pull it off a line of credit and gift it to your kids thing is something that's become significantly more common. But it's I think just as the values go up, the gift sizes go up. They have to uh, co-signers, gifts, yeah, um, guarantor, yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah. Second I mean, mortgage. 
it's just scale, right? It's just the everything's gotten bigger. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. What um what like your YouTube experience, right? Like you you were doing mortgages, you got onto YouTube, right? How how did you get to the point where you're at right now with all this? You know, you're I think you're you're very good at it. You got really great video at editing skills and all that kind of stuff. Like what what was that path to kind of get there? Um yeah, I mean, really interesting. It, it, sheer relentlessness, right? I've, I've learned in life that if you can push yourself past the limit of what of that moment where you want to quit, you can get pretty much anywhere you want to go. I mean, getting high numbers on YouTube, getting big Instagram followers, becoming Grant Cardone is all or Grant Cardone is all about just pushing yourself past the limit of what you think is possible. So, um. Yeah, I mean, that YouTube journey kind of started about five years ago. And, you know, exact same studio with a whiteboard, couple of videos that I didn't even realize after I posted them got five or 10,000 views, interest rate differential videos. And then from there, it, it, it kind of became a thing where we sporadically did videos, wasn't totally invested in it. And then when the pandemic hit, everybody was trying to figure out how to get their deferrals figured out. And I have 9,000 clients in my database. So that morning of like March 13th, we're waking up to our phones ringing and everyone's like, how do I do this deferral thing? And we just had more phone calls than we had capacity. Like my wife and I, my wife's one of the top mortgage brokers in the country. Uh, we're sitting at our desks at 7 a.m. And, you know, I was pouring her a glass of wine at 11 p.m. And we hadn't moved basically for the entire day. Oh, and by the way, we were homeschooling our child, which was basically him watching YouTube so that we could do our jobs. And, Amen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the teachers are like, why aren't you, why aren't you homeschooling him? Why aren't you taking, teaching him all this stuff? And it's like, because that's your job. What are you doing for the other eight hours of a day? Um, but that's beside the point. And so we're just like, okay, we need a way to get this information out really quickly. So we did a video on how to defer your mortgage and, you know, YouTube always picks up like that news story, whether it was a mortgage change or whether it was something else. And they just picked that video up and it went like through the roof and we did a few more that was kind of in April, May and YouTube was kind of, I could tell was kind of poking me going you need to do more videos. You need to need to do more videos. It's like, you get a notification notif notification. They're like, this video is doing really well. And I kind of ignored it. Cause it was golf season. I'm a golfer. And, uh, we, and then, we don't know what that is. We've yeah, we don't get those notifications. Those. They're like, <laughs> no. guys, come on, slow it down a little bit here. Can All right. You, you put one stop. out. There's only 300 views. Yeah. Stop posting. <laughs> you're wasting our server space. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Too funny. I don't think that's true. I think you guys had some pretty good success, especially the last month or so you've had a few videos blow up. Right. And it's happening again. Real estate's becoming a hot topic. Steve Koresh out in Vancouver had a video he put out two days ago. He had one he put out four days ago. He's like, I got a thousand views in the first hour or in the first hour. And he's all excited. And then now he has a video 43,000 views as of last night in the first 24 hours. And like that outperforms any video he's ever done in his lifetime in and he did it in a 24 hour period. So YouTube's starting to pick up those good videos again. And, you know, they did the same thing for me. And then in December of uh, 2020, I just said, you know what, I'm going to do one every business day for the entire month. And then that kind of showed YouTube that I was serious. And that was the message I was trying to send their algorithm. And 
it just picked up, got to a thousand subscribers. And then as soon as it got to a thousand subscribers, I just stayed on the, on the gas pedal and then it was 10,000 and then it was 20,000. And now I think I'm at like 22,000 and I'm pulling my foot off the gas pedal because my team is just like, okay, you need to stop or you need to hire 10 more people. And the last thing I want to do is hire 10 more people and then have to fire 10 more people because the market turns or something like that. So we've actually, it's actually gotten interesting. Like investment properties for non-clients, our system filters them out automatically right now. So like if an Ontario buyer wants to come into Alberta and buy an investment property, we automatically filter that out. We don't do that deal because they're difficult and, um, yeah, you know, shopping easy. around a bunch of different people. It's like waste your time. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all sorts of different things, but just, you know, we've turned off certain things because of how effective YouTube's become. Wow. Good for you. That's amazing. Yeah. And- that is amazing. <laughs> we're, we're all about just like education, right? It's like, we're always just trying to like follow the news. Um, we're always looking to stuff. So lately, like we've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, this like federal government stuff right? Even though we're the Toronto real estate show that people get bored of the Toronto real estate topics, right? So like we talk about federal government policies, interest rates are are obviously a big thing. The province has got a a housing plan of action where they were talking about how they're going to basically increase supply. Like, do you think we have a supply issue? Or do you think that we have just too much demand right now? And that we've got enough houses being built in the pipeline and that we're going to be okay, we just got to let the market do its thing? Yeah, it's a it's a tough question. I mean, so I went to university and I studied this stuff and the reality of it is we don't, we won't know until five years down the road, if it was a demand problem or a supply problem, like right now, because we have so much demand, we therefore have a supply problem. But the question is, do we really have that much of a supply problem? Like, like if memory serves me correctly, February of 2020, we didn't really have a supply problem. And we didn't really have a ton of people moving around the last two years from as far as like people moving and, and um, coming from other countries. Like we had interprovincial migration, but we didn't have a ton of net migration overall. So if we have the same amount of people, why do we all of a sudden have a supply problem? Like that's I think just it fun. feels that's way problem. different in Toronto. Like for us, because there's there's 130 cranes in the air. There's everything is blocked off. It's construction, construction, construction. It's like new, crazy, all over the place. And everybody, like literally everybody, mm-hmm. is talking about real estate all the time here. I don't so, know if it's like that in Calgary. Well, I mean, it, it's sure. not right now. I mean, there's, there's a ton of building buyers, right? It's a Canadian thing. But I mean, my question is, is if everyone's talking about it and there's all these cranes and and everything going on in Toronto, well, have you also seen a ton of new immigrants? I personally haven't met any. It's hard to tell (laughs) who is newer than who, but there are definitely a lot of immigrants. Uh, but yeah. I mean, the numbers are, I mean, obviously with, with airports shut and borders closed, we know they've transferred, uh, you know, numbers from one side of a ledger to the other for the most part, I guess, of the last couple of years. Um, but I mean, with their targets, 
I mean, barring anybody thinking that this country is not safe to come to anymore, which I can't imagine why anyone would think that lately, but yeah, I'm, I'm imagining that people are still willing to come to Canada um, and, and the immigration seems loose. And I believe that even if we let in 400,000 a year, like there's still a significant backlog of people that want to come, at least at the moment, um, like we will feel this at some point. Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like, we are absolutely going to have more immigration into Canada going forward because people are going to realize more than ever that Canada is a really good place to be in a place like in a time like a pandemic. Right. Like, I'd rather have Canadian healthcare than healthcare from whatever country. Um, pick a country in the world. It doesn't matter if it's the U.S. or anywhere else. Like, the healthcare here is, is phenomenal. So we're definitely going to have more net migration in the future. But if you just look at, like, the last two years and you say, migration's probably gone down, but all of a sudden we have this massive supply issue, it doesn't make sense. It's like there aren't more people, but there's less houses available. So what that tells me is that we've got more of a demand issue than a supply issue. Now, preferences may have changed. We may not have supplying a specific type of property and and that may be a valid argument but like enough supply to house typical canadians yeah we've we've got it like people for the most part if they didn't have an idealistic view of the house that they needed to live in you know we've got a we've got a roof to put over their head somewhere right and i think the building happening in toronto and everywhere else needs to happen because we are going to have an influx of of migration, but I think the last two years of run-up in price is more about changes in preferences, and in the last six to eight months, probably more about um, probably increase more about, in money supply. No, yeah, increase in money supply um, for sure, but mania around real estate too, right? Yes. Psychological I, I, impact of the money supply and the uh, pandemic uh, needs where I want bigger space and I want to, you know, I'm worried about inflation and uh, you know, I want to put my money into real estate. That is by far the overall, always the number one contributor because we've had these exact same circumstances before low interest rates, high immigration, good job market. And the market wasn't going like it was because everyone thought, Ooh, maybe it's now, now's not a good time to buy. Right. right. When yeah. they had the BC and Ontario foreign virus tax uh, implemented, that really changed people's psychology on what they felt about real estate. Right. Yeah. So uh, psychology is number one, hundred percent. What about, uh, does your office, do you guys work in an office or is everybody working from home? Are you a hybrid? <laughs> so my team largely goes into the office right now. Um, a couple work from home. It really comes down to what they, what they prefer. And I mean, for me, what I realized was for going half an hour each way for a commute. And I know that's a short commute from, uh, from the world you guys live in, but getting that hour back a day was like getting three hours worth of work back a day, which led to basically a, a round of golf every day in the summer. And that uh, <laughs> not more work <laughs> yeah, like this studio. This is, this is my home studio. I spend most of my time here. I'm in the office a couple of days a week when I, when I have to um, work with my staff and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think different people need to be in different roles and in different locations. And some people work better from an office and some people work better from, from home. So we do have a we hybrid. Have we seen a big shift in, in Calgary with work from home or has it shifted back or. Uh, I would say 
there's some shift back to work in the office place, but for the majority of people, I, I think if they have the option, they're, they're working from home. Like I, I know, cause my sister lives in Alberta. Like I feel like Alberta has been the like resistance province for a lot of the changes over the last little while. Right. Like they were just a little bit more vocal. The premier was a little bit more, you know, uh, vocal, um, how is that? How is that changing now? Are they are they still? Yeah, I mean, let me preface normal life? the whole thing with I'm politically agnostic. Like when it comes to comes to politics, I don't care. There's good policy decisions and bad ones, and all parties make good decisions and look and bad decisions. You know, I think I think everything you just stated there, the evidence of that is that a whole bunch of people driving trucks showed up on on your guys's front doorstep in Ottawa here in the last month. I think that's pretty evident that that uh that you know some of alberta definitely lives on that fringe of of politics for sure um you know i, I think alberta is kind of a changing place as we we see people moving in from other provinces um, especially like edmonton you've got a pretty big ndp base in uh in edmonton which is really surprising because it's very very much a um blue collar sorry not blue collar but a blue um, conservative blue city for the last, you know, hundred years or whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting, you know, I agree with some of the stuff with removing mandates. I, I disagree with other parts. Um, everyone's got their personal opinion on that stuff, but, um, but yeah, I think we probably as a general rule lean towards more leniency on, on those policies and whatnot. We love you guys for it. No doubt about it. Right. Somebody has got to say something. So I think with like, we had all these lockdowns, we had um, impact, like we had a major boom in January, major, like it was just through the, through the moon and everybody was sitting at home and, and everybody was on lockdown and you couldn't go to not lockdown, but you couldn't go to the movies, the, the restaurants, the gyms, like there was all the things that you would want to go out for. And so all these uh, people went out and started looking at properties and so we were getting 35,000 showings a day in the Toronto real estate board based on the, the analytics yeah. we have. And that dropped down to 9,000 once yeah. the lockdown was lifted. Yeah. Right. So it's like That's a 75% decrease. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's crazy. So, yeah. but hold on a sec. That that's a decrease in showings. Showings. Yeah. The volume of people that were going out to look at houses dropped, dropped drastically. But what about offers? Did offer? Yes. Offers too. Yeah. Offers dropped. The numbers too. game. Yeah. Prices have remained stable, increasing in most areas. There might be a few one-offs that did really well in January that could have a hard time getting back to that. But, uh, you know, prices are still there for sure. Yeah. Aren't there quite that's a few? Oh, sorry, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, that's like the thing we noticed every time there was a lockdown. It's like you get, you know, husbands and wives who realize their houses are too small because they don't like being on opposite sides of the small house, right? And then you get parents who are, don't want to deal with their kids being at home and the kids get tired of dealing with uh, having to live with their parents and the kids go to apply for a mortgage and, and we go, well, sorry, you don't qualify. And they're, you have a co-signer and you know, their parents are like, yeah, we'll co-sign for them. They can't get on that mortgage fast enough to get them the heck out of the house. Right. Like <laughs> you get home, you start to realize that your living conditions aren't necessarily what you imagined you, uh, you want them to be right. Yeah. I'll co-sign yeah. and here's two fifty. go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
get out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the exp- I think the expression is uh, they'd rather leave their inheritance or they'd rather give their inheritance with warm hands. Warm handshake. Yeah, warm handshake. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they're 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 trying to make sure that their kids, you know, know like let's let's witness what it is that you uh, are going to achieve and, and try to help them and stuff. And they're screwed. Like, let's face it. How the heck? Even in Alberta, I know Alberta's got like one of the highest incomes in in Canada, but like even in Alberta, you know, like an average home entry level, you know, what what does that cost? Like, if yeah, you look like, at Calgary, uh, downtown Cal- Calgary, eighty five, five hundred, yeah. 500,000, right? So still, what? like, An I bought my first house for 240. House? Oh, yeah. house, not a condo. That's a house. That's a house. For 500,000 bucks? Yeah, I can't remember and what the average price is right are now. Wages, that's, are that's wages okay. similar there? Are the wages the same as here? Well, how can they not be? In some cases, higher. Um, yeah. You know, average, house, average income buys a pretty average house, no problem in Alberta. EK, what the fuck are we doing here? We should be the Calgary real estate show. Calgary real estate show. Yeah, we should go to Calgary. This but is even stupid. still, five hundred thousand is still is still you know it's not it's not like it was ten years ago. Ten years ago, even in the GTA, you could get really affordable housing. You can buy a house for two three hundred thousand, no problem. So hold on a sec. So two years ago, was that house like two fifty? No, it was about four fifty. We didn't see the same run ups you guys saw. Yeah, we're starting to see them now because people are making really poor investment investment decisions um, coming out here and buying properties, not understanding our market, but yeah. um, now it's getting a little bit crazy, but yeah, we haven't seen that run up yet. We'll probably see, I would guess a 15 to a 20% run up this year. Uh, and then we'll get up in that 600, 650 range would be my guess. Do you guys have a commercial mortgage division? No. Okay. So you deal with the residential stuff. Yeah. Oh, we're, this pricing Sorry, this pricing action here is it does it go up and then it like crashes because the oil prices crash or it just doesn't like I don't get it. We had 30% last year, 20 something percent the year before. It's like eight percent's a shitty year around here. Things have doubled in two years here, literally. They've like tripled in 10 years or, or less. And you guys went from 450 to 500. Yeah, well, I mean, I also bought gas in April of 2020 for 47 cents a liter. <laughs> and that's the primary driver of my economy. Is that like right like right off of the uh, rig? Like they pump it right into your truck at that price? Pretty much, yeah. Holy yeah. cow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah the Calgary like, market's so funny. Like it's a it's a I've talked to agents out there and <laughs> it is in every way, it is different than the Ontario market. Like in every way, from the real Sounds estate like a different side country to the listing side to the to the buying process to to pricing to the appreciation investments. And there's a lot of people going and buying these commercial multifamily buildings now in Alberta and and other parts of El- other Edmonton and other parts of Alberta. And, yeah, and this uh, they, is where they, the logic's this is where nothing. the logic's flawed, right? It's like yeah. Toronto housing prices have gone up, Vancouver's have gone up, Calgary's haven't. They have to come up. It's like, well, that's like saying that, you know, Manhattan prices went up. So Ohio's have to go up. They're completely different markets, right? Right. You don't understand yeah. the, the idiosyncrasies of those markets. you you can really get yourself in trouble really fast. hundred percent. Wow. And that's, and that's, and, and, and so it becomes the only place that's affordable, right? So they, they can't find the numbers anywhere else. So I, I will predict here, here's, you'll hear it here first. Okay. Alberta's market is going to get run up by a bunch of Ontario buyers who will be mm-hmm. left holding the bag in the next few years. 
and it, it won't happen again for at least another 20 years. They'll, they'll all back away and say, oh, okay, never mind. We learned our lesson. They're all new yeah. investors, right? And let me put this in perspective. Um, 2006, there were properties bought at the top of the market, top of an oil boom. boom. And in 2022, and we're talking condos in this case, there were properties that had not come back to the level that they were bought for in 2006. That's 14 to 16 years where you were underwater. Yeah. We should not count Alberta in the national averages because they're weighing us down. (laughs) We should not count Toronto and Vancouver in the national averages. You're pulling us up. Yeah. <laughs> like those markets are i would say it's more to say that those markets aren't canadian real estate markets like those are international markets and the rest yeah. of canada is canadian markets that's a good point what, yeah. what a crazy yeah i never even thought of it there's like a pull here because we're fucking them up and we think yeah. they're kind of slowing us down we, we deal with slow. this we deal with this on like the micro level just in the gta where people like for example barry right so barry they had like 80% annual increases. Daryl mentioned Bancroft. There's a few other communities like that. And even they are talking about the dumb money that came in and bought their real estate and overpaid was from Toronto, right? Yeah. So it's all the same. Just no matter what, you go from Toronto to anywhere else, it's a different market. And you don't, and they use their local realtors to do the, 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 the deal. And, and the, the guy just wants to make his commission and they overpay. That's just how it is. So, so I know like there's quite a few Toronto developers that have projects in Calgary. Mm-hmm. How, what the hell are they doing there? If this is the, 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 I guess they must've bought it just for so cheap. But these numbers, like I don't know how a Toronto guy's making sense of this. No appreciation. You mean, you mean I'm going to build this thing for six years and there won't be any appreciation in the price. This is, how do you do that? Well, that, okay, so that, that's an important distinction to make. So when somebody goes and buys, like an individual buys a pre-construction property as an investment, not necessarily as a place to live, but as an investment, they're buying it with as speculators. Like they, they might not like to be called that, but they're speculating that that value of that property is going to go up. A developer, on the other hand, is not a speculator. Right, a developer is going. Okay, here's the t- statistics for this market. Here's the job growth. Here's the amount of properties that are going to need. Here's the net migration numbers. Here's my potential issues that I'm going to have if oil prices turn or if something happens in the economy. And then they go. And then here's the cost for me to build this and what I think I can sell it for. And then they've got a profit margin built in. So they're not speculating. They're 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 developing. And they've got some play versus, you know, when, some, when an individual is buying and they're going, well, we need the values to go up between now and when this property gets built. That's a different story, right? That's the speculation. And that's what gets pe- good people in trouble because they go, oh, can't go anywhere but up. And you know, I remember a lot of people in 2007 buying properties thinking they couldn't go up and then, you know, calling us for mortgages and us going, well, I can't finance that. You bought it for 400 and it's worth two, right? Mm-hmm. So developing is a lot different game as far as how they run their numbers versus how a real estate investor or speculator as a better definition would do it. Right. 
So, so, but okay, so I'm a developer, and when I buy a property, I look at it with today's numbers. So, what I can sell it for today, and what the construction costs are, and everything is today. But if I don't be realistic and I don't factor in, I mean, even in a normal setting, there is some inflation every single year. So, you have to have some line item in there for increased construction costs. And if you only do that, it's not a very realistic scenario. You're, you have to hope for some kind of appreciation, but it sounds like in Calgary, like you cannot do that. But the construction costs, I imagine, are going up significantly like the rest of the country as well, if not more. Oh yeah, totally. So that's like, I it's like, like a real pickle. I, I guess... I mean, you just like any market, you have to just really know it. But I don't know why a Toronto guy would be, you know, enticed to go over there other than like a mania, like you're saying before. It's like they get caught up in holy shit, like these things are so much. Developers are human. There. They do the same thing, right? Developers, yeah. how many developers have, have uh, dropped the ball, right? Look, well, if you can raise the, the funds, right? If you can find the land and raise the funds, most of them yeah. are fee driven at the beginning, anyways. Yeah. I mean, the ones that go out of business the fastest are the ones who relied on appreciation um, to make the profits, right? Like yeah. it's when, when you're building a home, we know lots of home builders, lots of developers. And, you know, I've asked this specific question. Um, one of the really big residential developers in, in Calgary, the CFO is a guy that I golf with on a regular basis. And like they knew when they were putting up a building, they're like, we got 32% to play with. So like between what we're expecting to sell it at and what it costs yeah. us to build it today, we've got a 32% margin. And if it appreciates, the appreciation was the bonus. And if the property values went down, they knew that they still had a pretty significant amount of play in the amount of profit that they had. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I think the way that but, banks underwrite Alberta properties that I look at is a lot different than they do in, in Ontario. And so when yeah. guys are looking at these commercial buildings, yeah. they're underwriting them with like, you know, um, lower loan to value, uh, higher cap rates, yeah. uh, higher vacancy rates. Like, you know, they're, they're factoring that in. So they know the market. That's what you said, Daryl. These guys, they've done their they research. They know the yeah. market. They've built in the contingencies. How many developers in Toronto have got a 32% margin built in? Zero. <laughs> Yeah, maybe no, 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 no. We all start off with thirty-two percent, okay. maybe even more, and then yeah. it's like you start it getting in They're, they're not golfing, and, talking about yeah. a thirty-two percent margin, and they're no. just like, we're going to end up with fifteen, and this is going to be a winner, you know? Yeah. Oh, God. Well, I mean, if you look we at like only. on the ground last year, they not only did they have a thirty-two percent margin, but they had another twenty or thirty percent on their uh, increases in values, right? Exactly. Yeah, market right. timing, like which they couldn't have predicted, right? But yeah, in in Ontario, it's much less profitable to be in the development world it's just the way it is right i mean and the big guys they aren't trying to time the market they no, they, they don't give a shit they just the buy 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 they don't give a shit they know and their they, numbers they know it costs four thousand dollars to build that kitchen and that that kitchen to them is has twenty thousand dollars worth of value right like they know their numbers and uh, I, I, a mentor of mine once said that, it, and I've said it up probably 10 times on the show, but the market made us geniuses, right? Just yeah. being in it, right? Yeah. And they look, they being look brilliant. They make you a genius for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to stay dun, dun, dun. Well, <laughs> if you can stay in it when it's shit, then just being in it, you're still a genius. Yeah. That's the secret with all these Ontario guys is, how many of them will be able to just ride it out like those 2006 condo buyers you were mentioning? 
how many of them can ride out whatever changes are going to happen. And that's, I guess, what the, the formula is. And we're getting, you would know this more, we're getting a lot of people, like there's a lot of people on Instagram and, uh, you know, YouTube or whatever, just saying, you know, how to, how to suck out the equity of your home and put it into another investment property. And there's no risks and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of people who are successful with that strategy, but majority of people should never do that. Majority of people should be, you know, it becomes really easy to sell course material on investment properties in a market like this. Oh yeah. The, the crazy thing is, is if the number like properties aren't cash flowing, you, you aren't break even on a property, but yeah got guys that are selling courses that are making millions of dollars selling courses. Like there's a reason I, I have a real estate investment course that I can sell on my YouTube channel, but it is not available. And there's a reason it's because anybody who would take it, who goes and actually makes a, an investment property decision right now in this market is probably setting themselves up for failure. I mean, you're buying in speculative mania in the face of higher interest rates with, I mean, it's not even arguable. The most, the most amount of uncertainty in the worldwide economy that we've ever seen in my lifetime. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I was know. saying to somebody the other day, it's like, it's the only market where everybody that's in it and is selling all the salespeople are nervous and wanting things to slow down. Like you would never see that in any other marketplace where the salespeople are like, uh, this is too crazy. Yeah. We got to slow yeah, yeah, this yeah. thing down or this yeah. is going to I want it to be a little bit more difficult to sell these don't, places. Yeah, you know? don't Let, sell let's any take it a little bit longer. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You guys know the realtor's prayer? Tell me. Dear Lord, please give me one more booming market and I promise not to blow it this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A good it's, one. It's, it's, in, it's, it's interesting to say the least. Uh, I feel like there's really the exact same thing going on across the world. I don't think it's Calgary. I don't think it's Toronto. I don't think it's um, US or, or Europe. I, I think there's just, there's massive inflation. There's massive demand out there. Interest rates are low everywhere. People are, are confident in real estate. They're worried about holding on to their cash. It's a perfect storm of like New Zealand. Look at New Zealand. New Zealand's got a ton of problems, even bigger than ours. Um, we've got a lot of, you know, things that are going to be really interesting to watch over the next couple of years. And I'm nervous. That's I'd, I'd be lying if I say I wasn't. And there's a lot of people out there who are fearless and they go on and, and they could be right and good for them. I hope they're right. And I hope they're very successful and they, and they go, but there's a lot of leverage over leveraged people out there right now doing things that um, would make the wiser segment of the, the population uh, very, very scared. Right. Knowing the, the numbers that I'm hearing about. Yeah. 100%. It's pretty bananas. Okay, I have two quick questions for you, and then we're going to end the show because this is uh, generally about an hour. Um, okay, one thing that I've been wondering about forever, um, what does the sticker on your cup say? Because it's always, <laughs> is it a blurry sticker? <laughs> so that's funny. That's like the number one comment. It's like, what does it say? So this is our company blurry. mantra. Let's see. Huh. It says, we, we take awesome seriously. Take awesome ah, seriously. Nice. And we've got your back. There you I go. I've been, I've been wondering that for a while. And then the other question I had in my head about Albertans, Albertians, Albertians, Albertans, um, Albertonians, Albertonians, how, and I know you don't speak for all of them, but how do people in Alberta feel about Tesla? Oh God. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't, there's a lot of guys that drive Teslas, but they're also gas-powered, right? <laughs> in Alberta, a Tesla's a gas-powered vehicle. Gas-powered vehicle. Yeah. It's Everywhere it is. Explain the Tesla being gas-powered. How do you make the electricity? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I think they have a phenomenal vehicle. And, you know, if you want to get into, like, a conversation about Tesla, it's really interesting because that's not a car company, right? Tesla's a data company and you know, they're going to change the world, not from necessarily from an electric car standpoint, but from like a driving automation standpoint. And that's what I think is really exciting about, about Tesla. But I mean, the reality of it is, it's like, if you're driving it in Ontario, it's, it's hydro powered. If you are driving it in Alberta, it's gas powered. And at the end of the day, you know, a car is a car thing I don't like about it being living in Alberta is if I want to drive to actually this is funny um, we did um, I was a keynote speaker in Edmonton uh, and some guys who have a Tesla drove up from Calgary and it's a three-hour drive and at the end of the conference two weeks ago we go and have a drink and I leave Edmonton at 8 p.m and they leave at the exact same time and at midnight they were still on the road because they had to stop and charge the car twice so for alberta how long was the drive it's a three-hour drive hey, it's a four-hour drive in tesla yeah but it should have like a 700 kilometer charge no but when you drive it up in the morning oh and you don't, and you don't charge it yeah <laughs> yeah it's not a road trip vehicle if you ask me Hmm. I forgot to plug my. It's like every once in a while I forget to plug plug this thing in my phone, right? That's well, the end of the world. So I don't. Know. Tesla's interesting. I don't think Calgary's any or Albertans have any sort of aversion to them unless they're like super conservative right wing oil 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 guys. Now, I I got a challenge for you guys, and I got a question for you guys. Um, my my question for you guys is why is Africa in your background? And good, good question. On that note, yep. Why isn't it the Canadian real estate show? Ah, oh, this right has come now, up a few times. Can like Canada needs more voices of reason. And what I like about you guys, and I, I don't do a ton of these shows because every once in a while, like you get somebody who's got um, some sort of motivation, and they're they're motivated to sell houses in their market, and they're pumping their market and you guys are just like straight up honest about the market and the whole country needs more of what you guys are talking about. And I get that when, as a, as a realtor, and by the way, I used to run a real estate company. So I I think about this stuff a lot and I've thought about this stuff a lot. Like you want to have that Toronto real estate show because that's the market you're in and that's the market you're serving. But you know, you guys with, with the amount of knowledge you have and the, um, and the honesty and int- integrity that you guys have, you could do this show across Canada. You're going to have just as much business coming out of Toronto because people are going to be watching your show anyways, but they need, the country needs more guys like you talking about what's going on across the country, not just in, in your market. We've wow. had this conversation. Uh, Nolan, yeah. thank you so much for saying that. We're definitely like hyped up about what we do. And that's exactly everything you said there is hundred percent nice. true. We just, we just like to talk and share stuff and we try to bring on guests who like to talk and share stuff as well. Um, we've talked about it several times. First and foremost, 
we are going to change the African continent background because that is important. <laughs> Daryl, we'll talk to our background guy. All right. We'll, we'll send him an email. And um, yeah, I mean, the Canadian real estate show, we've discussed it already. We've, we've been, uh, you know, we hesitant to make any changes because things are going well in our eyes, but um, th thanks for your feedback. We, we trust you. Like I said, you're the, you're the professional YouTuber uh, that we aspire to be like, so we appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I wouldn't yeah. call it professional, but I think I can tell you one thing is if you change the, change it to the Canadian real estate show, you get a lot broader audience and hmm. you'd still sell way more houses, but that growth and getting your guys' message out would be significantly more impactful because you'd have significantly more people looking at it. Awesome. All right. We'll have to bring that up point. in the next business meeting, uh, Daryl. Yes, I, I will. That's a great point that we need to talk about again. I will invite the entire board of directors. We'll bring the staff. Yep. Right. Good. Bring all the staff. Good. Notify out. the shareholders. Tell everybody awesome. we're moving to Calgary. Because it's because it's the end of the show, Nolan. Just give us a quick little plug. I know that uh, a lot of our listeners do know where you are and what your channel is, but just let people who don't know you know where to find you. Yeah, just. Uh... I'm sure there'll be a link in the description below. Uh, best place to find me is on the YouTube channel and or mortgage360.ca. Awesome. Yeah, we've got a lot of Spotify listeners too. We do a lot of the podcasts, Apple podcasts, all that kind of stuff. So look if, at this, $437 trillion lent to Canadians already. Trillion. That number's out about. 800 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did yes. almost half of that last year. Oh my God. Are you awesome, serious? Awesome. Yeah. Wow. You guys asked about the YouTube thing. Um, we probably did more business in BC and Ontario than we did in Alberta last year and our Alberta business group too. Yeah. Great. And like we're small and mighty Four people uh, work for me and they do, I would, I would bet that you'd be hard to find. It would be hard to find a company that does the amount of production per person that we do in Canada. I know there's a couple of them, but uh, yeah, I've got four powerhouse females that work for me and they are absolutely phenomenal. There's the secret sounds, sauce right there. Like females. It. Yep. 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 Each one of them can be a top is a top hundred broker in the country. Wow. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for fantastic coming. to meet you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you great, so much great for talking coming. to you. We appreciate the advice too. And uh, I know it's early there. It's but, early there. Uh, yeah. Hope Thank you have a nice you. Sunday. After the hockey game last night, that was the, that was a different difficult morning, but we made it through. There you go. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Hockey. Thanks so much. <laughs> New on Curiosity Stream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.